Today's reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, and you'll find this on page 856 of the Church Bibles. Uh, Mary's Song of Praise, the Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Well, if you'd like to keep that passage open in front of you and we'll look at it together and let's pray as we do that. Our Father, we thank you for this time in your word and we pray that as we gather around it now, your spirit would be at work in our midst, that you would uh, open our eyes to, to see you today, that you would give us uh, a, a deep joy as we consider the, the message of Christmas and what it means for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, a wise elf once said, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Uh, I wonder as Christmas approaches, are you full of Christmas cheer? Do you go along with Buddy the elf? Are you singing your way into the season? Uh, Maybe you love this time of year. Maybe uh, you've already had a chance to get your Christmas jumper on uh, and wear it a few times, or you've already uh, worked through a few of your favorite Christmas movies. Uh, Our street goes all in for Christmas. Um, There are enough small light bulbs uh, switched on every evening to short circuit the national grid. It's uh, quite a sight. It's, It's a really popular time of year for so many. Or, or maybe you're not really feeling it. Uh, Christmas, uh, while it's joyful for some, it can be difficult for others. And maybe you would include yourself in that category. Maybe you're a, a Christian and you kind of feel like you, you ought to be joyful, uh, given that it's all about the birth of our Savior. But maybe Christmas is painful for you. Uh, and that could be for various reasons. Maybe it's a time of year where you are keenly aware of things that you feel are missing in your life. Uh, We sing joy to the world, but maybe you struggle to feel joy at Christmas. And certainly there will be many this Christmas whose circumstances mean that there will be very little celebration going on. So, So what does it mean to find joy in Christmas? Uh, when maybe we just don't feel very joyful. Well, it's all got to do with understanding what true joy actually is. And and that's what this passage is all about. Uh, Last week, we looked at the announcement of Jesus' birth, and we saw how God sent his angel, Gabriel, to to a, not to a princess in a palace, but to an insignificant girl in a backwater town. Gabriel went to Mary in Nazareth. It's an extremely humble beginning 
for our Savior. And we saw how, how Mary responded. At first, she doubted that something so miraculous could actually happen. How could a virgin give birth? But then her doubt gave way to belief and obedience. She trusted God's promise and she, she obeyed, knowing that the obedience would be extremely costly for her. You know, Mary's circumstances were anything but straightforward. A, a pregnancy out of wedlock in that culture, uh, you can just imagine the whispers, the stigma, the, the gossip that went with that. For Mary to be pregnant could, could place her in a dire situation. Uh, she was risking her reputation, her future marriage prospects to obey. But we saw that that's exactly what she did. She chose to say yes to God. We read in verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So she trusted. She obeyed. And then in the next bit on from the one we were looking at last week in verse 39 to 45, we, we read about Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth. And the significance of her obedience begins to sink in. Elizabeth, inspired by the Holy Spirit, she discerns that Mary is about to give birth to God's long-awaited king, the promised Messiah. It's just as Gabriel had said. And as that promise is confirmed, Mary responds with heartfelt praise. And it's in her praise that we see what it means to find joy in the message of Christmas. A joy that's there, whatever circumstances we may have uh, found ourselves in this year, whatever we might be feeling. So these verses are a song of joyful praise, and it's a joy that, that transcends the obviously difficult situation Mary found herself in. And it's a joy that she just couldn't keep to herself. Mary's heart, her affections were stirred by the love of God and her response was heartfelt praise. If you look with me at verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, those opening two lines, Mary is basically repeating herself. She's saying the same thing twice. Uh, but she's not just doing that for the sake of it. Repetition in that form of poetry was a way of emphasizing a point. So when she speaks about her soul and her spirit, she's not talking about two different things. She's emphasizing the fact that the news of Jesus' birth had moved her to the very depths of her being. The message that she heard from Gabriel, and again from Elizabeth, it had taken root in her soul, and it fired her heart in such a way that she was captivated by it. There's nothing cold or calculated about her response to God's message. She delights in it. She rejoices in it. And that's what it means to rejoice in the Christian life. It doesn't simply mean uh, being happy about something. It's to meditate on, to, to reflect on the truths of the gospel until your heart begins to taste their sweetness. It's to treasure the truth of who God is, uh, to treasure what it is that He has done until that fires your heart and affects the way that you live. And meditating on the wonder of Christmas, it ought to lead 
to that same note of praise. It's not just about having a few fuzzy feelings of Christmas cheer. It's a message that ought to stir our souls. Mary was moved to praise because she grasped something of the significance of what was about to happen. And that's clear from what she goes on to say in the rest of her song. She recalls God's mercy to her people in verse 50. She recalls it from generation to generation. She can look back over the history of God's people and see the way that God had been merciful to them. It's a mercy that helped Israel, verse 54. You know, many times in the Old Testament, we read about Israel's rebellion, how God's people turned their backs on him and pursued idols. And we read about the judgment that they experienced as a result of that rebellion. Uh, They even end up in exile in Babylon. But despite that rebellion, we read how God was merciful to them again and again and again how he repeatedly rescued them and restored them, how he remained faithful to them just as he had promised Abraham. We've seen as we've gone through the book of Genesis over the last few months, those promises that God made to Abraham, that he would be faithful to Abraham and to his descendants. And then we see that played out through the Old Testament. Uh, And Mary recalls that promise to Abraham in verse 55. And that mercy, that that salvation is no more clearly seen in the Old Testament than in God's deliverance of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And that's what Mary sings about in verse 51, where she uses that, that, that phrase, he has shown strength with his arm. And that is a reference that is repeatedly used in the book of Exodus to speak of God's saving power how he delivered his enslaved people from the might of the greatest superpower in the world at the time. It's the story of a miraculous rescue that displays God's glory to the nations. And it's a rescue that points forward to an even greater rescue. The salvation that Gabriel had announced would happen through Mary. As Mary recalled the just the incredible history of God's people that we see play out in the Old Testament, how God had displayed his faithfulness to them over centuries, she was full of wonder, amazement, that a far greater salvation was about to take place, that everything that had gone before was all just pointing to this salvation, to the central point of human history, the birth of God's promised King, our Savior. Uh, And Mary, this humble peasant girl, would play an integral part. It's no wonder that she sings verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations shall call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Mary's full of awe. She's full of wonder that God would choose to work through her, that that what he was about to do would have massive implications for every generation from then on. And it's true, isn't it? We can call Mary blessed because it was through Mary that God gave his son 
that he would be conceived in the womb of this humble Israelite peasant girl. He would be born and laid in an animal's feeding trough, and then he would grow up to be crucified on a cross in the place of sinful people. And it's as we remember that story, the unfolding story of God's plan of salvation in Jesus Christ, promised in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the new, as we wonder at the God of the universe who made all things and who sustains all things, that he would come in the person of his son and be born and live and die on a cross so that we could know forgiveness and eternal life. That's what should bring joy this Christmas, whatever our circumstances. That's what ought to lead to praise that magnifies our Savior. The kind of praise that Mary displayed here. And it's that praise that we can join in together this Christmas. A praise that that so delights in Jesus that those around us can see for themselves why Christmas really is worth celebrating. I wonder, is that where your heart is this Christmas? Are you full of wonder at our Savior's birth? See, the reality is is that that we lose sight of the wonder of Christmas because our souls are captivated by all sorts of other things. The idols of our hearts, they are powerful. They consume us. And at this time of year, they can easily become front and center, either as we dwell on the things that we don't have or become consumed by the things that we do have. Even the good things in our lives, they can steal the wonder, the awe of Christmas. They can become idols that obscure our view of Jesus. And that's why we need to get even God's good gifts in their rightful place in our lives. And ask ourselves, what might it look like for me to magnify the Lord this Christmas? Maybe it means setting some time aside to to just remind ourselves of the message of Christmas. To to take time to just sit down and and read over passages like this uh, and meditate on them. Ask God to, to stir our hearts afresh by His Spirit as we reflect on His grace and what He's done in Jesus. Uh, Or or maybe this Christmas is an opportunity just to to spend time uh, magnifying our Savior by extending kindness to someone. Sinclair Ferguson writes, you don't need to be important, wealthy, well-educated, brilliant, famous, or eloquent to help point people to the Lord Jesus. All you need to do is to be kind to them with the loving kindness of Jesus. Now, as we reflect on the kindness that God has shown us in Jesus, maybe we can think of ways that that we could be kind to others this Christmas. You know, Christmas is often a time of year where we become more conscious of strained relationships in our lives. You know, that empty seat at the dinner table where once somebody sat and relationships have become torn and strained and so they won't be there this year. What would it look like to to reach out this Christmas, extend kindness where there's hostility, to seek peace where maybe there's enmity or frostiness? 
Or maybe this Christmas is an opportunity to, to magnify God just by telling your story. Maybe as you sit with non-Christian family or friends over the Christmas period, there's the chance for you to, to share why Christmas brings joy to you that goes far beyond any feelings of Christmas cheer. Or maybe it could just be a case of inviting someone along to church to come and hear the, this, this wonderful message of, of Christmas, of God's saving love and mercy in Jesus. And we have that opportunity this evening to, to invite people along, to be together, to hear about the hope that there is in Christ. The love that has come down at Christmas. It's a love that saves. And it's a love that still transforms lives. A love that brings joy whatever our circumstances this Christmas. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the joy that we can have this Christmas, whatever our circumstances may be. We thank you that, that whatever fleeting and temporary situations uh, we are facing, however difficult and hard they may be, we thank you that we can remember that in the grand scheme of eternity, the, the joy that there is in knowing Jesus, in knowing that he has come to forgive our sin, to reconcile us to you, to give us a, a sure and certain hope of eternal life, that in the grand scheme of things, these are, are wonderful truths that ought to bring us deep joy this year. And Lord, we're frail, we're, we're fickle in our hearts so often, and we need your help to know that joy. And so we pray that your spirit would be at work in our hearts, that you would remind us in a deep way of these glorious truths, that they would shape our lives so much that, that we can't but fail to tell others about it, about this glorious hope that we have, and that you would give us joy in the midst of everything. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.